0: Well, hey, Andre, how you doing today? Good morning, Kirk. we got a little bit of rain out here in
1: Texas, man. We're really? enjoying this weather. It's in the 60s. Well, there you go. We're starting out in the 70s this morning, and uh, we had rain quite a bit last week, so I don't know that we'll have much this week. But today, I think we're going to start down a trail that probably is going to have a multifaceted study. Uh, Andre and I have been talking, and we want to really start – talking about stewardship and we'll probably focus on Matthew 25 uh, where Jesus gives the parable of talent and I kind of want to lead out by just giving the definition of stewardship and I pulled this definition from the Oxford Dictionary it says stewardship is the job of supervising or taking care of something such as an organization or property what is the very, very first thing that you think of, Andre, when you think of stewardship? Yeah, as soon as you read that definition, the first thing that came to mind
0: was the example of a CEO, and I think about a CEO because you kind of we tend to think of a CEO as someone who is, you know, the buck stops with him, and in a sense it does in an organization, but in the larger sense it doesn't. The CEO is still responsible. He is a, he's a chief steward of his organization. And so he still has to, he's still responsible and accountable to the board of directors. They're the shareholders. Yeah, They're the owners of the company. And so course, he still has his quarterly meetings with that,
1: with that group. Go ahead, brother. What is the other thing though that you think of? If you, if you had not have heard that definition, what is the other thing that you would have thought about when you first heard stewardship? Stewardship, I mean, usually money comes to mind. Yes, that's what comes to mind for me as well. And we'll eventually get to money, but today we want to touch on how does stewardship interact with family? Because God has called each and every one of us to be good stewards of everything that he's given us. That could be family, that could be finances, that could be our job, that could be ministry. I mean, there's so many facets, and I'm pretty sure we're going to chase many of these topics down. But today we want to talk about how does this incorporate and how does it go alongside of stewarding your family. I'm going to lead this out by just reading the excerpt from Matthew 25. We may go through 30. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two two more. But the one who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I do not scatter seed. Then you have, then you should have brought that money and put it in the bank. And when I arrived, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give to the one who has the ten talents. To whom has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But the one whom does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away. Throw out that worthless slave into the darkness. and that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth wow i mean that's strong so the guys they were given a certain amount and i think sometimes we focus on the amount here in reality the amount of money each of these servants were given was not the important factor here because it's i believe that simply says we all start out with different amounts or different quantities see Each individual is not expected to come up with the same quantity as the other they simply were expected to be good stewards of what they were given and sometimes we get so focused on well John started out with a church handed to him because his daddy was the pastor and he inherited that entire ministry or Joseph you know he grew an entire ministry out of nothing and he's now internationally known or or whatever. The thing is, is each of us were given different talents and different abilities, and we were given different gifts in the beginning, and we're only going to be held accountable for what we have been given, not yeah. for what John had and how we measured up to John. And we see that they were all given praise according to what they did with what they had,
0: yeah. not what
1: they could have you know, You
0: know, brother, another another... Uh I read this in Spanish recently and the, the Living Bible in Spanish. I'm sure the Living Bible in English says something, you know, very similar. But it, and I'm paraphrasing, it says something to the effect of he gave them according to the talent he had observed in each one of them. There you go. In other words, he he knew his servants, he knew what they were capable of, and he gave them according to what they were capable of. Right? So their potential. And gave it to them according to that. And so if we bring this back and we focus now back on family, which is our topic for today, everybody has a different starting point. There you go. There's some, there's some dads out there who didn't have a dad as an example. You have oh. a different starting point than the one who came from a family that was intact with the mother and father, and you have the grandparents and the ideal situation. Some of us come from a, a, a backgrounds where there's a lot of lack. We didn't have the resources. Maybe we weren't able to to be put into the sports that we wanted to. We didn't have the exposure to play an instrument. Uh, but we're all starting from different starting points. The thing that's really interesting about that is that no matter where you're starting from, there's a talent that got us placed in you. We have intrinsic value as human beings. And we can learn, we can we can adapt, <clears throat> we can grow right where we're at. and the point is whether you have the one talent or, or the two talents, whether you have the the five talents, whatever position, whatever position you're in, we're to do the best we can with what we've been given right now, knowing that and recognizing that it's not ours. so the kids that we've been given the the wife or husband that we've been given. They've been entrusted to us, you know one thing I love about the evangelical church is that we do something that's called the dedication based off of Samuel being dedicated by his mother in the Old Testament and so that dedication is is recognizing that these kids are we say they're our kids, but we have to everything we hold in this world we use that term very loosely they're not our kids they've been entrusted to us by God, and ultimately. They're his kids. And so we've been entrusted and we've been set up as stewards over even our very
1: family. Oh, that's good. And that's rich. Another thing we've got to consider is the fact that, you know, sometimes people, like you said, they they grew up without a father, right? So that would be considered like a broken family. But you also have your families where their parents, they were not a good example. They were not good stewards. They did not help them learn. They were too lazy. They were all self-centered. Well, think about it like this. God gave you children, and he expects for you to invest in those children, even in your own time. Now, let me quantify or qualify this statement. If you look at each of the servants that the rich ruler gave the talents to, the ones that came back with a return, they had to make an investment. What happened to the lazy one? He went and buried it. One, he was afraid, and two, it was convenient. Because when he buried it, he was no longer responsible for it. He had nothing he had to do to steward it. So he had no responsibility there. Or so he thought. There you go. Or so he thought. So, you know, in the same way, the ones that were successful and they doubled their money, they had to invest their time. They had to invest their effort. They had to invest that money that they were given. And operate within that realm in such a way that it would bring a return. Well, how much more with our children? I mean, if we really say in our hearts, I want my kids to have a better life than me, what does that really look like? What does it really look like to want my kids to be better than who I was or who I could be? Well, that means I may have to invest financially in them. That means I may need to go and invest more time in them. I may need to put more effort into them being successful in their homework or in sports, but I cannot just take a lazy, uninvolved approach to my children. Instead, I have to be very engaged, intentionally engaged in their life and the way they operate. Otherwise, there's no way that that success can come about. They will know, there is no way for them to go further than me if I don't put investment into them. This, this thing is so loaded and
0: it's gonna, I feel like we need to marinate here for a little while. But one thing I want to add to what you're saying and everything that you said was just loaded, chalked back with just truth. We need to pray over our kids and we need to find out what, what the talents are that God's actually placed in them. There you go. Because how can we steward something if we don't fully understand it? And I think that was the issue with the, uh, with the lazy servant. He didn't fully understand his master. He judged him harshly. He said, I knew you were a hard man. I knew, you know, you basically, you try to reap what you didn't sow. And so he's judging the master, not realizing that he's a good master. He didn't have to give him anything, but he entrusted it to him because he saw talent at him. And so he was actually a loving master, and so he didn't fully understand this whole idea of stewardship. And so if we don't fully understand what our kids have and, and what God has given them, you know, that, that's where abuse comes in. I heard Dr. Miles Monroe one time talking about, um, you know, if you don't understand the use of something, you'll abuse it. And he used the example of a microphone. And if someone, you know, doesn't understand the use of a microphone, they'll go up to the stage and say, well, what's this for? They'll use it as a hammer. to try to bang in a nail. they use it for all these different purposes except for the purpose for which it was actually designed. But once you understand it, you, you can use that tool, and it, it'll flourish. And it's the same thing with our kids. Once we understand them, what's it that makes them tick? What are their likes? What are, what are their passions? What are the things that make them hurt? These are the things that we need to pray over so God will give us wisdom and direction and how to steward them and actually bring those things to fruition. And one thing I I, I, I love and I was, I was thinking about as you were speaking was that in the parable, We know the master went away on a long trip. And obviously this is Christ who comes and then he leaves, and he's coming back again. However, one of the things that we see now and we have the benefit of is that he's given us his Holy Spirit. So we can be in constant communication with our master who's distant via the Holy Spirit. And so we don't have a distant master who is uninvolved, but he is right there. And we can check in with them and say, Lord, you know, I don't fully understand what's going on here. I don't understand what's going on with my kids at this moment, but I know you've got them in your hands. Give me wisdom. And he'll do it. Same thing with our, our wives or our husbands. It, it takes wisdom to have a marriage that lasts any amount of time in this day and age. And Amen. we're we're
1: that marriage.
0: Go ahead, Bert. I really want
1: to interject. Uh, the key that you're talking about with our children Praying over them is such a crucial, crucial thing. Um, I can't remember exactly how long ago it was, but we were in a conference at our church at Abba's house, and Rabbi Kurt Landry, who is a Masonic Jew, he's a rabbi at his church, he's the lead pastor at his church, Um, he was talking about how in the Jewish culture that they take their kids to the synagogue before the priest to determine what that child's destiny is supposed to be Mm -hmm. and that the parents actually know what that child's call in their life is whether it's doctor or you know scientist or whatever up front and then they critique their entire life around that thing he said so it's no wonder that the jewish people are so prosperous because the entire life is all catered around what the calling of that child is. It's unlike what the American culture does to where they try to give them such a general education to where no matter what they put their hands to, they'll be successful. Mm -hmm. Instead, they know my kids going to go into film in the film industry, or he's going to be a doctor. He's going to go into scientific research for medicine or whatever that case may be a neurosurgeon. But the whole life is geared towards that one thing. So when they get yep. to it, they are set up for success.
0: That's good.
1: So they put an investment up front. They inconvenience themselves in their lives to make sure that their children are positioned for success and they are stewarding the gift that they were given by God in their children.
0: Good, 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 good.
1: Yeah, I love the way you so, said that.
0: They're being positioned
1: for it. success,
0: like, a, like an arrow like an arrow. If you want that arrow to hit the bullseye, you need to take that arrow, you need to you stretch it back, you need to aim towards your target and then release. You don't just aim you don't just shoot it out haphazardly. It'll never reach its target. But what you're describing here is that Jewish family, they find out what the target is, and they do everything they can to start aiming towards that target. So when they release that child, he hits that target. He becomes that lawyer. He becomes that doctor. He becomes that film mogul, whatever it is, because he's been aimed from an early age.
1: The Word of God actually says in Psalms chapter 127, verse 4 that our children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. That's it. That's so it. that that is this. That's dead on, my brother. I mean, you got it right there. That's it. And so I guess the question is for us as parents
0: is what is the bullseye for each of our kids? What does that look like? And if we don't know the answer to that question, that's something that we need to go to the father and ask him in prayer because he knows the purpose for which he made each of our children. It's it's pretty incredible that he's entrusted. You know, you think about Mary. You know, he let her know. He's a good father. He let her know. That when this child was gonna be born, the things that were, were gonna happen in the future, what, what he was gonna suffer, what his perp- purpose was. He was the sal- salvation of the world. Uh, um, her heart was gonna be broken because he would suffer. He let her know ahead of time because he's a good father. You know, and if he gives us the purpose, if we'll seek him. And so we need to be in communication with the father, find out what those gifts are and what the aim is. And he's faithful. He's faithful. So I think we should um, probably wrap this one up and pick this one up again next
2: time. What do you think, brother? That's it. Guys, we never want to wrap up our calls without giving you the opportunity to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified, and with your mouth one confesses and is saved. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please pray this prayer after me. Lord, I thank you that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that you are the Son of God, and I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. Friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, you are saved. And we are so excited and would love to hear from you. At the same time, the next step for you is to get involved and planted in a good Bible teaching church. This will help you grow and learn about the wonderful life God has for you. We would also like to invite each and every one of you to check out our ministry page. You can do this by going to mooseministriesinc.com. Here you'll find links to connect with us, read our blog, and keep track of our different projects as we take this adventure in spreading the gospel. God bless.